this, this COVID-19 pandemic disrupted everything, every aspect of our lives. Even the way we work was, was absolutely no exception in this post-pandemic world. It's essential that leaders reflect on the lessons that they learned during this time and even use them to improve their leadership skills. It's time to get inside your own head. Begin with the psychology behind your behaviors. Infuse it with an acute understanding of self-awareness, emotion, storytelling, body language, and more. Then look at it all through the lens of the latest neuroscience research, broken down to its most digestible form. And you've arrived. Enhanced messaging, deeper connection, heightened influence, and a greater impact on the world. Welcome to the Amplify Podcast with Renee Rodriguez. So I want to dive right into these five lessons that I think we all learned from the lockdown. I wrote an article about this. I wrote, it was actually quoted in Forbes about this, and I wanted to go a little bit deeper, run through it a little bit, and then just give some insights in terms of things that you can do and listen to uh, or even act on as we go through this. Now, the big question I always get is this concept of leadership, and we've talked about leadership versus management. We've done all those different elements, and so if you don't consider yourself a leader, even by title, that's fine. Leadership is about influence, and so if you're influencing anyone, this applies to you. And so one thing we know, this this COVID-19 pandemic disrupted everything, every aspect of our lives, even the way we work was was absolutely no exception. Our home life, personal life, physical health, everything. The shift to remote work forced a lot of leaders to adapt to new ways of managing their teams and especially communicating with their employees. So when we think about moving forward in this post-pandemic world, it's essential that leaders reflect on the lessons that they learned during this time and even use them to improve their leadership skills. And so when we think about this improvement process, that requires self-reflection. It requires us to think a little deeper. It requires us to, to go and ask ourselves without ego, and that's the big piece, how was I during this time? And how was I and how did I act? Did I show up for my people? Did I leave them astray? And I think that the, one of the, the questions or the, the visuals I always get, if you go back to the movie Gladiator, and you remember, I think it was Marcus Aurelius' son who was the, the incoming king, and he shows up after the battle. Maximus had already won everything, and it's over, and the destruction was there, and he rides in on his horse, and he's like, have I missed the war? And everyone just kind of looks at him and doesn't even acknowledge him because they know that he was a coward. And so that sort of a visual that I held on to for the pandemic is how many of those coward leaders were out there that hid. And to their defense, I don't think they did it on purpose. Man, do I really think that? <laughs> I don't think they did it on purpose, but I think they just didn't know what their job was as leaders. And so the pandemic to me was something that that ousted those, and it, it sort of revealed the poor leaders. And so going into lesson number one, and I'm going to read from the article a little bit here too because I think it's it's important, or the our, our newsletter slash article, and then I want to give the insights to it. So that not all leaders are created equal, and the great resignation exposed poor leaders. And so this during this time, we look at leaders definitely we know, ones we've worked with, we love working with, and some that we've hated working with. And so here it reads, the pandemic has highlighted the importance of effective leadership and leaders who were unable to adapt to the new reality have been exposed. The so-called great resignation 
is a sign that employees are no longer willing to tolerate poor leadership and are seeking companies that prioritize their well-being and development. So think about that. Now, people now realize they have choices, no matter the market, but the, the shift in our collective values, people started saying, I want more connection, I want more meaning, I want all this other stuff at work, and my leader either gave it to me or they didn't. Either they provided this environment or they didn't, or maybe they just woke up and they realized, you know what, I want something different. But at one point, it was 76% of people wanted to leave. So what do you do with that? I'm going to call these actionable insights. Like, so what do you do with this? I think the first thing is you've got to evaluate, again, without ego, your leadership skills and your ability to adapt to change. And can you adapt? And when you discover, and if you don't discover any shortcomings, then you're not looking deep enough. You're not being honest enough. And then you might need to maybe ask some of the people that know you well for what some of those shortcomings are. So when you address the shortcomings, you got to you do that because otherwise you're going to start losing valuable employees. And then if you do it well, you'll start maintaining a healthy work environment. And the healthy work environment is one of the biggest predictors of longevity of employment or people that, you know, low turnover would be how we think about that. And so we want to think about how do we look at this from an egoless perspective? The second one, and I, I thought part about this, is that virtual connection is possible. It is possible, but it is not a replacement for the in-person interaction. And so here we go. When, we, when it first started, we weren't able to travel. We weren't able to do anything. And we were forced on camera like this. At first, it was, no, nope, there's no way the connection can happen. And I thought about this. One, I was forced to think that it had to be possible because it was my entire business. You know, we had no travel, no in-person gatherings, which really meant no Renee and his business. And so we go, okay, hold on a second. We need to figure this out. And the more that I dove into it and the more that I analyzed, we talk about be a student of your own experience, my own experience with virtual anything. And guess what? TV is virtual. I'm looking at a box and people want me to watch what's inside that box and that's square. It dawned on me, I'm like, we watch full-length movies and binge watch our favorite TV shows with our entire family. And sometimes it's so good, we hate it that it's over. Think about it. And when you're watching it, you're not looking at the periphery. You're so engaged with what's going on. And so I went in and I interviewed uh, directors, film directors, producers, actors, people that were there, people, you know, some prestigious universities, we researched with Harvard. And what we learned is that it's definitely possible. So I'm going to read from here again. So while virtual communication tools have allowed us to stay connected during the pandemic, they are not a substitute for the in-person interactions. Leaders must find ways to balance virtual communication with in-person interactions to foster a sense of community and human connection. What we found is that the best way to do that is when you can replicate as much as possible the in-person experience. And so what does that mean? Well, Look at it through vision science and the eyes. We talk a lot about vision science. Well, it has to feel three-dimensional. It has to feel like you're alive. So your camera and lighting and audio and location, as Ryan Grams from Call Upgrade talks about, that call, camera, audio, lighting, location matters because now we can see your eyes. We see your facial expressions. Your microphone is good so we can hear you. You know, So it's harder to ignore what's happening. And so now that I, it feels like you're in the room with me, that's replicating the in-person experience. Even the height of the camera matters. If I'm looking eye to eye the way that I would in person versus staring down at you or looking up at you, all of those things start mattering. Mattering. So what's the actual insight here? So use virtual communication tools as supplements, okay, supplements to in-person interactions. What do I mean by that? I think the Zoom is our new phone call, right? We went from just a voice conversation where we can hear tone 
to seeing some facial expressions. And if I can do a Zoom call with you, especially for business, I'd much rather do that. I can see you. You can see me. You can see my passion, my excitement for something. And I can see your passion or lack thereof about what it is that I'm talking about. So it's much better to have that visual communication. But you got to also think of ways that you create opportunities for team building, collaboration, social support. All of that fosters a sense of community and human connection. So how do we do that? We make sure that people, all of our clients, that they show up to their meeting and put quotes on that show up. They show up by being centered on camera, making sure there's no dead space above their head. You ever seen people with are just a little tiny little head at the bottom of the screen? No, we want their head almost touching the top of the screen because that's the way you show up on camera. Imagine, go back to every news reporter. They're taking up most of the screen. And that's good because that's who we want to see. I want to see your head. I want to see your facial expressions, all the in-person cues I would want to see. Now, it's interesting. There's a study, a few studies here that I want to reference. One of them is a study from Stanford University. And it found that the, the more presence of others working on the same task can increase motivation and productivity. Meaning, so if there's more people doing something, working in a team environment, that there's more motivation and productivity versus just one-on-one -on -one working in a vacuum. The survey also found, for this one from Deloitte, found that 88% of employees believe that collaboration improves productivity and helps them to complete tasks more efficiently. So two pieces, one, working in teams, not too big of a team, because then you'll get what's called social loafing. Anything, you get too big of a team, there's going to be a certain group of those people that are going to socially loaf, meaning they're going to know that somebody else is going to do the work. So you want it too big, but you want to you know, have teams that are focused on certain projects that are held accountable to it. I think three is a great number, by the way. Four or five, you start running potentially into the, you know, some people doing most of the work. But teams of three are such a great place to start. But then you get collaboration and people sharing ideas. You got to teach collaboration, teach brainstorming, teach ways that you keep the energy positive and creative and innovative and lower stress. And so here it read, reads also, connection can improve employee retention rates. So think about that. The more people are connected at your work, the less people are likely to leave. This is a study done by Glassdoor. They found that companies with higher satisfaction and strong company cultures have lower turnover rates. Seems like kind of a dumb moment, right? Of course, people that are happier at work don't want to leave. Specifically, though, this study found that companies with high employee satisfaction have turnover rates that are 14.9% lower than in low employee satisfaction. So here's another question. Do you have a way of measuring employee satisfaction? Are you even thinking about employee satisfaction? The employee experience, people that are working for you, do they have a way of saying, this, this is not fun, this is no good, this sucks, I don't agree, I'm not happy here. So you gotta ask yourself that question. So here's our actionable insight. We wanna encourage collaboration, for sure, teamwork and social support to improve employee engagement, motivation and productivity. Cultivate a positive work culture and prioritize employee satisfaction to reduce turnover rates. So how do you create great culture? Meaning you gotta make sure that people are having conversations. Create a culture where people can speak the truth to you. If they can't say, I disagree in a way, and if they can't tell people, hey, this is what I think needs to happen next, why are they engaged? Like, why would they even want to engage? There's no incentive to engage. And it's not about pay. This is about, are my ideas even heard? Are they listened to? Do I even matter? All of those pieces play into this employee satisfaction game. Let's go into lesson four, that uh, innovation comes from constraint, and I believe we need more of it. So there's a story that I would share with my mother when I was a kid. I made the mistake of saying that I was bored. And 
she said, okay, well, I'm finishing this project right now. So I want you to go grab your crayons and go be creative in, in the corner for about 10, 15 minutes while I finish. Then I'll come and play. And so I went over and I grabbed my Crayola crayon. Remember the 64 box, the 64 crayons, and they had the little sharpener in the back. You open them up, you see all those colors and that brand new smell. I mean, it was awesome. I was ready to just start going to town. And she said, here's the rules, though. You can only have two colors. And I looked at her and I said, okay, well, you said be creative. Well, how am I going to be creative with only two colors? And she looked at me and she said, Renee, I need you to understand this. Creativity isn't about using every color in the spectrum. Creativity is about having only two colors and working wonders with those colors. And of course, at the time, that was just annoying. But as I get older, I, that's a lesson that I've never, ever forgotten. Because here we are, this is kind of an if-then moment. If we are under constraint, most people think we have less options or that this is, this is restricting. I think if we're under constraint, this means high levels of innovation and creativity. So this is what, what I wrote. The pandemic has accelerated the adoption of technology. That's one acceleration, by the way. Technology is huge. By businesses and leaders, and, le and leaders must continue to embrace innovation to stay ahead of the competition. So one, it accelerated, but the question is, were you a leader or do you work for a company that embraces this innovation? Innovation often arises from constraint and leaders must find ways to foster a culture of innovation within their employees, their organizations. So if it comes from innovation, and so if I'm listening to that, I'm going, okay, what does that mean? To me, what that means is innovation is about change, new thinking, creative thinking, taking ideas that are possibly off the wall and finding value-added ways. Now, innovation in business, there's a profitability component and revenue component. It's got to be something that improves the business somehow, something that drives revenue. Innovation for the sake and change for the sake of change that doesn't improve the business is really not a business innovation. And a study done by the World Economic Forum found that the pandemic has accelerated the adoption of technology by businesses. Found that 50% of businesses are accelerating the automation of their operations and 34% accelerating the digitization of their customer channels. Like, think about that for a minute. Like, improving operations. And digitization, <laughs> digitization, digitization, that's a new one. Try saying that 10 times fast, five times fast, of customer channels. I mean, we're looking for new ways to engage with our customers and more efficient ways to process and operate our business. Those have massive impacts on profitability and revenue. Now, this was another study by McKinsey and Company. This is what I thought was really fascinating. 96% of executives said their organizations have innovated in the response to COVID-19. 96%. That's huge. Additionally, and I think that's positive, by the way. I mean, this is, this is so good for business. Additionally, 92% of those surveyed said that they have changed their business models to adapt to pandemic. That means that they changed how they, they make revenue. Like, we're gonna, we used to make money this way. Well, now we can't, so we got to do it this way. That's what we did. We, we had to switch virtually. To, to depend on automatic and, and uh, payments and less invoices and, and more digital ways of communicating and, and sharing what we think. Now, another survey done by PwC found that 61% of executives believe that the pandemic has accelerated their digital transformation. 61%. Additionally, 55% of executives said that the pandemic has made them more open to new ways of working. Now, think about that. The stress of the pandemic and the lockdown caused people to say, well, I guess I don't have any choice, so I better be more open-minded. So people that were pushing away these new technologies now are saying, okay, tell me what you got. 
that if somebody had some of those ideas, now they get a chance to share those ideas and in a way that drives the business. So I wanted to share just a couple examples of where the innovations were accelerated. The, simple, the first one we know this so well is remote work. It forced many businesses to allow their employees to work from home, which in turn has led to development of new re remote work technologies and processes. Okay. So, I mean, for example, companies have found new ways to collaborate remotely, such as video conferencing tools like Zoom, but getting creative on Zoom, right? How do you incorporate? We, we, we made these cards that were sort of emotion, emo, em, emojis, but that you could analog show. Instead of having to click a button where you see it tiny on the screen, you could show this big analog sort of smiley face or thumbs up or thumbs down or heart. And from a Zoom grid, you could see, let's say you just say, what do you guys think of this? And you saw a bunch of hearts go up. You would have an immediate connection to say, wow, people love this. Or what if you saw a bunch of thumbs down and you know, all of a sudden, okay, the idea isn't working. And it's, it's such a fast way of creating collaboration and teamwork and a safe and sort of fun way to invite people to be more candid at work. The next one here is contactless payments. This was, I think, huge because we needed to continue to keep revenue flowing. We couldn't talk to each other. And so it led to the increased demand for con contactless payment methods as people tried to avoid touching cash and credit card machines. And so I thought, you know, for me, touching cash, credit card, that, that wasn't really a bother. But if it made it easier to make payments, hey, all for it. It's led to development of new contactless payment technologies such as mobile payments and digital wallets. And I don't know about you, I still have a... I still have a hard time doing the tap, touch, pay thing. I do it. I sit and wait. I don't do it right. I just, let me just insert the card, swipe the card, keep it old school for me. But I get it. So now, third one was telemedicine. I thought this was fascinating. It led to increased demand for remote healthcare services. Like, gosh, you know, talk about a paradigm shift. We used to think that we had to go in to the office and now we can get on Zoom and have those conversations that how cool to not have to go in, sit in a waiting room with a bunch of other sick people and just to have a conversation, we could have just done on Zoom. Doctors now able to conduct virtual consultations with patients, which has led, allowed them to continue growing and providing healthcare, even when face-to-face -face -to -face appointments weren't even possible. What was cool is that we found too now for myself, there were doctors across the country that I want, I want to talk to. Now this allowed me to actually get their thoughts on things. So what's the actionable insight on this one? One, we got to embrace innovation and foster a culture of creativity and experimentation with your organization. Here, how do you do that? You make it safe. If people say, hey, I've got an idea and you shoot it down right away, that's a surefire way to make sure it doesn't happen again. So make sure that you're embracing that and creating a safe environment for people to do that. Don't go too far with this because it can also remove people from the productivity pieces they need to get. Don't use creativity and innovation as a cop out to doing your job. So there's got to be a healthy balance here. Looking for, look for opportunities to automate and digitize operations. And then that will help you adapt to changing market demands. And that will help you stay ahead of the competition. All of this stuff should flow together, right? How can you digitize and automate something? If it's something that you're doing over and over again, like something as simple as, you know, <laughs> it's almost embarrassing to say, using email signatures to respond to things that are faster and Using email signatures to say that this is a typical thing that I respond. I, I on my iPhone, I have I don't know how many shortcuts. You know, people ask for my address. I just type my ad, and then my address pops up, or my email, just our at, and you know, even responses. People want to know about a certain event of mine, and so I put the whole piece. Hey, check out my event. It's located here, and I just put you know the whatever the shortcut code that I've created for that. And it pops up, or you know, I have a progressive relaxation audio, and so my relax, and that'll 
send up the link and I'll send it to people. So those are ways that you can sort of increase that way of digitizing what it is that you're doing. Lesson five, a good economy can hide weaknesses in strategy, efficiency, and character. Listen to that one. A good economy can hide weaknesses in strategy, in your efficiencies, and character as a leader. So let's read this because I want to get into this one. During a good economy, businesses may experience high demand for their products or services, which can mask underlying weaknesses in their strategy, efficiency, and character. Leaders must be proactive in identifying and addressing these weaknesses even during economic prosperity. And so think about that. And I'm going to go into uh, three of these. So one, poor financial management. Man, it's so easy to spend when times are good. When the economy is doing well, businesses may uh, be generating enough revenue to cover up poor financial management practices, such as excessive spending, poor cash flow management, and inadequate financial reporting. In a strong economy, businesses may not feel the need or pressure to manage their finances as tightly as they would in a weaker economy, which can lead to long-term problems that become more apparent during slowdowns. I mean, this, I saw this all over. We see it in the banking, we see it in mortgage, we see it in real estate, we see it in personal finance, that when times are good, you just spend because, hey, the money's coming. It's great. And so if you managed it poorly and you're starting to pay the price now, see it as a lesson so that you're ready for the next time things come because, yes, these do come in cycles and it will be back again. You just got to make sure you're around for it and learn from it. And if you did well, bravo, that's awesome. The next one, good times, also it's a lack of innovation. Strong economy can create the sense of complacency amongst businesses that are performing well. I mean, why change if we don't have to, right? When there's high demand for your products or services, businesses may not feel the need to invest in innovation or even research and development to improve their offerings. However, when the economy slows down, they find themselves at a disadvantage as compared to the competitors who did develop new and improved products and services. So talk about a way of flushing out the, those who didn't do their job. <laughs> if you're doing the same thing, ugh, it's tough. you got to constantly be asking yourself and challenging yourself of how can we innovate, how can we change things, how can we do them differently, more efficiently, and better. What does value even mean to the customer? Did that shift during a downturn? So lots of different things you got to take a look at. And the last one here, it's the over-reliance on a single market. When the economy is strong, businesses may become over-reliant on single market or customer segment that is generating significant revenue. For example, a business that primarily serves high-income consumers may be able to generate substantial revenue during strong times. However, if the economy weakens or the market changes, the business may struggle to find new customers or revenue streams. This can expose weaknesses in buying, excuse me, in the business, such as a lack of diversification or over-reliance on specific product or service. This was huge. And quite frankly, it's a, a risk that we ran and we've been looking at for the last couple of years because we're heavy in a couple of different industries. And that can be great. It can also be extremely risky. And so that's one of the reasons we've been sort of spreading our message and, and making a little bit broader appeal. And it always has been. That's the thing. It's always been something that we, you know, leadership and influence, it doesn't really matter what industry you're in. It, it does apply to everybody. So what's the actionable insight? One, you got to be proactive in identifying and addressing these specific weaknesses. I want you to really take a look at financial management. I want you to look at the lack of innovation or even maybe are you over-reliant in a market? And those are the things you have to take a look at. Make sure you manage your finances responsibly, invest in innovation and research, and diversify your customers to reduce the risk and maintain long-term sustainability. This is huge. And so those things, and I want you to take these insights seriously. 
go, I mean, look at our newsletter. If you're not subscribed to our newsletter, we write about this stuff in there. And obviously we'll be doing some videos on this as well. But in conclusion, the COVID-19 pandemic has presented us with unprecedented changes. I think good ones and some tough ones. But it also taught us a valuable lessons of leadership, communication, and innovation. The pandemic has exposed poor leaders and highlighted the importance of effective leadership. It's also shown us the limitations of virtual communications and the paramount importance of human connection for productivity. The pandemic has forced businesses to innovate, accelerate digital transformation, but it also taught us that innovation comes from constraint. And finally, the pandemic has reminded us that the good economy can hide weaknesses in strategy, efficiency, and character. So as we move forward, it is essential for leaders to embrace these lessons and continue to adapt to new realities. And by doing so, we can create more productive, innovative, and engaged workplaces that benefit both the employee and the bottom line. And so when we think about these lessons, I hope you take all of this information and you start looking in the mirror and saying, one, are you the leader that you need to be? Were you the leader that people needed? And what changes do you need to make to continue to serve the needs of the people that work for you? Use some of the insights from this podcast, this article, and ask yourself the tough questions, but you got to do it without ego. The ego has to die in this. We can't do it from a place of, yeah, I'm doing great. In fact, I'd rather you be harder on yourself in stuff like this. Leaders, we, we, we don't have the luxury of being overly positive about our, our process because we have to constantly improve. We have to constantly ask ourselves the tough questions and ask ourselves, are we serving the needs of the people that have believed in us? And that's what it comes down to. So I hope this triggered some thinking for you and some thoughts, all the normal stuff. If you like this, please like it, follow us, subscribe, share, do the whole thing. And if you're looking for more, we uh, are actually a couple days away from our next coaching group, coaching training session. Go to our website, meetrene.com, click on coaching. It's only $97 a month and uh, you're getting thousands and thousands of dollars worth of training and coaching. It's pretty, pretty cool. And you're networking with some pretty fun, fantastic people. And we have a few a few dates that are available with some open spots for Amplify in person. Inquire, send me a message, go to our website, however you want to do it. And of course, make sure you follow us on Instagram at Learn with Renee and also on, on TikTok, Learn with Renee. So that is all for now. And I will see you next time.